0: Seems a little strange, really, so does the story of transfiguration. Uh, This time from Mark's Gospel, the ninth chapter. And this is a very early text, so listen carefully.
1: Six days later, Jesus took with him
0: Peter and James and John and led them up to a mountain high apart by themselves. And he was transfigured there before them, and his clothes became dazzlingly white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to him Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. And then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for he was terrified. And then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. And suddenly they looked around and they saw. No one anymore, but only Jesus. And as they were coming down from the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them. Some scribes argued with them, and when the whole crowd saw him, they immediately were overcome with awe, and they ran forward to meet him. And he asked, "What are you arguing about?" It. And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought you my son. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. And whenever it seizes him, it dashes him down and he falls and grinds his teeth into those rigid. And I asked the disciples to cast it out but they could not do so. And he answered them, You faithful generation, how much longer was I be with you? How much longer was I put up with you? Bring him to me. And they brought Boy to him. And the Spirit saw him, and immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell to the ground, rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And, the father, and Jesus said to the Father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, It's from childhood. And it often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you are able to do anything, have pity on help us. Jesus said to him, If you are able. To all things can be done for the one who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out, I believe. Help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You spirit that keeps this boy from speaking and hearing, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, he came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he was able to stand. And when they entered the house, the disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This time can only come out through prayer. The word of the Lord. Amen. Some of you heard me say it before that I'm not much of a beach person. Oh, I think the sea is beautiful and I enjoy playing in the waves occasionally and I like seafood very well, thank you very much. But in spite of the years I've spent in Florida, I'm a mountain person. Let me feel a slope under my feet, let me gaze into the distance. I'm the silly person who moved from a house of 4,000 feet to the hills of Tennessee and 4,000 foot block is flat and my wife picked the steepest place in Tennessee to move to, and I probably had something to do with that. There's something about mountains. For me, they are unique, they're special, they're inspiring. Something about towering peaks, the valleys below. Even the word mountain conjures up something for me that's very, very powerful. It's been some years ago now, but it was on a Sunday afternoon, not unlike today. We had rain and ice and snow. This was in Matter Elk. And I went out on Sunday afternoon to take a hike up the side of Grandfather Mountain. Some of you probably know Grandfather Mountain. And if you start down in the valley, you know where you started You cross the stream and you begin to wander up the slope. Well, we had had a huge amount of lime on We get that around here because of the lake. You know what it looks like. Now, this was all over the side of the mountain. and Down in the valley, it got warm enough that much of it had melted and fallen off. But as I climbed higher and higher, I rounded the shoulder of the mountain and the entire mountainside around me was encased in ice. And then in this moment the sun shining brightly the ice just exploded off the trees and fell showering all around me. I hear there's a cathedral in California called the Crystal Cathedral. Trust me, I've never seen it but it wasn't nothing the power of God is in this place in every civilization there has always been a sense of awe about mountains and it is especially true for Hebrew people they were not seafarers mountains are the places where you go to meet the gods or in the case of the Hebrew people God, Yahweh one true God it's true in every mythology you can name. Greek, Roman, Norse, Celtic, all of it. You go to the mountains to find the gods. Something about mountains make people, I don't know, sit up and listen and think bigger, deeper, grander thoughts. Moses is called at the burning bush on the side of the mountain. The Ten Commandments of the Law come down with Moses from where? The mountain. And then God moves in the form of Jesus, the disciples, to the top of the mountain. And there, there are these figures from antiquity and the voice of God Himself in this time we call Transfiguration. Mountains are a place where people tended to go when they wanted to find God. Jesus goes there to pray. And so it's in that sense of the miraculous and this event that they go to the mountainside and there Jesus' humanity as it were is peeled back and disciples seek him for something more than just a man they have felt so attracted to because of his teaching. They beheld him as the very son of God. And there appears Moses who is the great emancipator, and Elijah, who is the great prophet? Do you have any idea why that's the two that show up? Well, as you can probably guess, it really does go back to Jewish tradition. Both Elijah and Moses disappear at the moment of their death. Elijah is taken into heaven on the whirlwind. Moses' grave is never found. He's buried by God. And these are the two that are supposed to come back to you When the Messiah comes. Guess what? The Messiah is here. Peter really was not being quite as strange as we think he was. When he said... Jesus, let's build a couple of tents here so everybody will have a place that we can consecrate this place and people can come and see What he was trying to do was create a place where people would know who Jesus' was. But that was not God's plan, was it? And so instead, what we hear from the cloud is the very voice of God. This is my son, the loving, listening. You ever had a mountaintop experience? I see odds. of us. We talked a little bit yesterday at a sessional retreat about the different kinds of experiences people have. And they're as varied as the individual. Those times when something happens that's different. A moment when you know that God is in that moment and it changes things. Mountaintop experiences may not be quite this one for us, but they're not uncommon either. One of the things we know is that Jesus goes away to the mountainside, sometimes with disciples, sometimes alone. But he goes because, at least in part, he feels as we feel the sheer exhaustion of trying to do ministry, every day, the tiresome labor of compassion and there are times when you have to get away, you have to find that face and that voice of God, when you have to be inspired.
1: Inspiration may happen on the
0: mountaintop, but ministry always happens down the valley. We may go to the mountaintop to find the strength and the power and the inspiration to do. But you can't stay there. You can't build buildings there to somehow codify that. You've got to come down the mountain. And you've got to come back to the valley. Because that's where the work is. And that's what we are called See, God is not confined to the mountaintops. We want mountaintop experiences because they make us feel good. God's not confined to the mountaintop. God is just as active in the valley when we know where to on. After all, the mountaintop comes not as an invitation, a privilege, but a call to do mission. And so it's after the dramatic events of Transfiguration that Jesus and the disciples come back down the mountain, and what do they find? A crowd gathered, a father and a son who for years has been convulsed. Most of the commentaries say it's probably epilepsy. We don't really know what it is. Jesus arrives on the scene, and it's almost like Jesus is mad. He's come from this wonderful experience, and he's forced to face once again people like you and me who don't get it—at least not fully—who are always one step behind, who aren't quite remembering what we're here for, how unbelieving you people are. How long am I going to put up with these things? That's frustration, Paul. you notice, Jesus never lets frustration be the last word.
1: When Mark's gospel tells this story,
0: and other gospels also tell it, of course, but they never tell us quite this much. We hear the Father saying to Jesus, if you can do anything, help us. If you can do anything. And that's the phrase we think about. We pray to God and say, God, if you do something, why would you help If you can. Jesus gives us that wonderful response here at Mark. All things are possible if you believe. I love the Father's response. It ought to be our response every day. I believe. Help my unbelief. And what he's really saying is, I'm believing as hard as I can, but my belief's not enough. I've got to have you. That's really what's being said. i believe. to help my unbelief. We don't know why the fathers do like that, but you can imagine how frustrating it is to have a child that you have sought every doctor you can find to heal And nobody seems to be able to do anything. You've gone to all the faith viewers. You've finally gone to disciples who are following this guy Jesus around and even they can't do it. Mm -hmm. If Jesus felt frustration because people didn't quite understand, think how frustrated this father felt for a child that he could not find wellness for. Of course, we know how Jesus responds. There's no interrogation of the dad further. There's no condemnation. He simply, he simply reaches out and performs the ministry that he has been called to do. We must never forget that, however tough. Life is down here in the valley. Good and God does overcome evil. God still rules on earth as he does in heaven. The mountaintops feed into the valleys. It takes a cross to come before resurrection. And steadfast faith in the face of life is what produces confidence. We must never forget that the God we worship and adore is the God here at the not just on the glory of a mountaintop. I think that's incredibly important for us to hear. We who live so often day to day, in crisis to crisis, wondering what life is about, Wondering if it's worth it sometimes. Don't we know those frustrations? And Jesus who reaches out and takes the child by the hand and raises him up. And that's what Jesus is willing to do for us.
1: Those of us who had
0: the privilege of climbing the mountain peaks know that you don't stay there. You've got to come back there. Because inspiration may come there, ministry happens down here in the valley. For those who are downcast and downtrodden, And that really is our experience. That's really, I think, what transfiguration is meant to tell us. Yes, it's about the glory of Jesus, but it also tells us. There's labor beyond the glory. I threatened to ask the man, in fact, I guess it's under the shade, but he didn't take me seriously. <laughs> Some of you will remember, and it gives you my age. Diana Ross puts in a song called Ain't No Mountain High Enough, Ain't No Battle to Keep Me from me. And that's God's words. You. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. (coughs)